course, I should be grateful that I had parents and somebody took care of me. They gave you away. They didn't want anything to do with you. Why would you even try to reconnect with them? Her children, they're not really my brothers and sisters somehow. That's, that's over. Kurt really didn't spend a lot of time thinking about being adopted until the past couple of years. One of the things he did realize was that when his oldest daughter was born, she was the first person that he knew who was biologically related to him. When she encouraged him to take a DNA test to find out more about their heritage, he agreed. His ancestry matches showed several close family members, which made the results immediately much more interesting to him. Here is my interview with Kurt. Were you adopted from birth, and where were you adopted from? Yes. So I was born in Norfolk, Virginia, and I was adopted from there at birth. But there is a but. I I don't know exactly what happened, but something happened either to the first parents that they had selected or picked. And I had some health concerns, minor, but they weren't sure about. And so I didn't get actually physically placed until I was nine months old. Okay. Did your adoptive parents have any requirements that they wanted for a child that they would adopt? Well, you know, and I can talk about a lot of this stuff really good now, but honestly, none of this I ever knew until about three years ago. And so their requirements was they just wanted a son. They had already adopted a daughter who is two years older than I, and they wanted a son. And is that the only sibling that you grew up with? That is. Do you remember how you found out that you were adopted? You know, as far as I can remember, they told us. And so my earliest memories, we were told all the time. And and I guess they wanted to get ahead of that just because the similarities in our features were very stark. And so, you know, we, we really had no similar features. And they were much older as parents. Right. That makes sense. So did you have a good life with your adoptive family? Was there like good close relationships and bonds? Well, that's very complicated. And so yes and no. So as a child, until I was about 10 or 12, I would say it was mostly good. There was definitely some problems. My father was an alcoholic uh, and there was a little bit of domestic problems in the house. And so we had some of that, but mostly it was good. And then what I thought, what I always tell people is I was a very spirited youth. Mm-hmm. And for what, whatever reason, which I think I recognize a little bit more now the reasons, but for whatever reason, when I was around 10, I started getting the feeling that, that I was just kind of alone in the world. And even though my parents probably did their best, I didn't really feel connected. I didn't feel I don't want to put out a pity story, but I didn't really feel loved or or part of the family. And so by the time I was 12 or 13, I really disassociated with the family, started running away, ran away a bunch, ended up being emancipated at 15. My mother passed. She passed last Christmas. But she would say, I don't know where this is coming from. I, I loved you so much my whole life. But that's how I felt. And I had told her that, you know, when I was a young person. But the last 10 or 15 years, we really became really close. 
my father and I were really close until I was about 13 or 14. And once I was gone, it really severed our relationship. You know, we just had a very strange relationship until I was about 25. We repaired that and the relationship was a lot better. But then he passed when I was 29. So did you feel like it wasn't adoption specifically that had really affected you most of your life? Most of my life, I thought that. And in hindsight of the research I've done the last four years, I think adoption really had a lot to do with it. Because I would have told you five years ago, what do you mean coming out of the fog? Or what do you mean all of this stuff or adoption trauma and all this? I was like, that. I would have thought that's a lot of hocus pocus. But in hindsight now... And looking back over the past four years and meeting all the adoptees and and others and and hearing their stories of similar traits, I think that this certainly contributes to it. Yeah. So was there any specific event that made you want to start searching for your birth family? Yes and no. So I can explain that. So my sister looked for her birth family when she was 18. That went really bad. And that was back in the day when it was nothing but detective work and trying to find something. And we were both born in Virginia. Our records are sealed forever. We have no access to our records ever. But anyway, she did find her birth mother and it went really bad. And even though my mom would always say, you know, I'll be glad to try to help you guys if you're ever interested. It felt like that was something that they said, but it wasn't genuine. And so I remember my mom telling me back then that, well, see, they didn't want her back then. I don't know why she would have thought they wanted her now. That was kind of the underlying tone. It sounds bad. I don't think they ever meant that to to try to discourage us from doing it. I think they just, that's what they thought, you yeah. know, that they gave you away. They didn't want anything to do with you. Why would you even try to reconnect with them? Yeah, and maybe on some level, they didn't want to see you guys get hurt. Yeah, and so then she did that, and that discouraged me. And then when I was around 30, I thought about it some. I've been married since I was 18. My wife is very, very honest, almost brutally honest. And and she doesn't mean anything bad about it, but she's how she is. And so I was talking to her about it around then, and she's like, well, what if it's something really bad? What if your mother was raped? What if it was an incest situation? What if it was, you know, just all the kind of things that truthfully I had never considered. And then I can say that kind of scared me into not wanting to know again for quite some time. And so I went on, you know, when you think about it and all these things happen, but as I was in my late forties, I had some health issues. I went to the doctor one day and I just found it so odd that he was just so good with that I had no information, that I couldn't get any information. I don't have any health information. And and that was okay. And, you know, we can just figure out whatever. And so at that point, I started thinking, you know, for my own children and for the people that are going to go after me, it'd be nice if I at least knew where I came from. Yeah. And so I started secretly, I didn't say anything to anybody, but I secretly just started reading more. I signed up on a couple different Facebook pages where, you know, they have search angels and what have you. And I just kind of looked around. It was a half-hearted approach. Then around the age of 50, 51, we had gone to our daughter's house. We lived in Syracuse, New York. 
at the time. We went there for Thanksgiving, and she had been doing ancestry, just building trees and talking about all this stuff. And so we had a big, long conversation around it. And she said, oh, Dad, look at this great page. And I'm like, well, that is, and that's our family, but that's not our that's not our heritage. That's not our lineage because I was adopted. And they both knew that, but then she just got on fire with it that, oh, you have to take this DNA test. You got to do a DNA test. And I was like, no, after 50 something years, I'm not doing it. Anyways, too late to make this a short story, but uh, <laughs> she, she, uh, she sent me, when I got home, she had sent me a, a Ancestry DNA kit. And then she bugged me for the next six or eight months to take it. And then right before COVID uh, in January of 2020, for whatever reason, one morning I woke up and I was like, oh, I'm going to do it. I'm just going to do it. And so I got up and I spit in the tube and I took it directly down to the post office and mailed it just so I wouldn't kind of back out. So I did it and my results came back really, really fast. But that was the first time that I'd ever taken a real step towards finding something out. So you used DNA testing to find your birth mother. What were some of the obstacles that you ran into once you had your DNA results? Well, one is I didn't really know what it all meant. And so some of the people that had tried to encourage me along the line to take DNA from some of the search sites, one of the ladies in particular that helped me a lot, I reached out to her and asked her, hey, what does this mean? Because it wasn't clear initially. It didn't say mother, brother, father, cousin, or whatever. It just, it gave a percentage, and then it said close family. Mm -hmm. And so then... Once we determined, and we determined very quickly that it showed immediately my biological mother and her two children, which are my half-siblings, What the next question was, how do you reach out to them and what do you say? Yeah, that's a common question that people wonder once they have all their matches. Because you don't want to scare them off. You don't want to make them feel uncomfortable. and But you have to ask the question. <laughs> right. I really received some really good advice from these people that have a lot more experience than I do with it. But, you know, I kind of marched to my own beat and I was like, well, I've waited this long and I don't want to wait to do a mailed letter, a handwritten letter and all of this. So I just used Ancestry and I sent my biological mother a message on Ancestry and I just said, hey, my name is Kurt. I recently did my DNA. And it shows you as a match. I can be reached at, I give my phone number and email, and then said, if you would like to discuss our match or talk about this at any time, please feel free to give me a call. And nothing happened. Well, nothing happened in, in the speed of my mind, which is immediately. <laughs> so then the next day, I sent her another message because I started thinking, you know, I don't know what to think. And I'm thinking, did that sound threatening or something so i messaged her again and said i can remove out the mask if it causes any issues for you i apologize for the intrusion i have attached my social media accounts so that you can see me and my family and then i got a message from her within about 15 minutes wow so when you were doing your dna results and and poking around on ancestry did you find anything else interesting um like families you belong to from way back 
Oh, yeah. Actually, I found that I had a lot of kind of famous heritage, which I was surprised. Gene Autry is one of my cousins, so I'm a, an Autry through heritage. And then um, a more recent, somewhat famous person was uh, Katie Couric is my first cousin. And then I also have a, a guy named, his name is Micaiah Autry. He fought at, and passed at the Alamo. So he was, you know, somewhat noted for that in history. And then because I did grow up in Virginia and most of my family and early settlers came into Jamestown in Virginia and then settled through the Southwest, Alabama, Texas, Louisiana, I did find that I had quite a few relatives that had military services in just about every war. That's really cool. Getting back to your birth mother, when she replied to you, what was that like? It was super weird. And her and I have what I would tell you is a completely strange relationship. And what she replied, I just actually have it pulled up. So I, she just replied back and she says, Dear Kurt, as you can imagine, I was truly stunned to get your message after all this time, more than 50 years. I guess that I had assumed that this would never happen. Now that it has... I'm not sure how I feel. For one thing, it's a little frightening. I don't know anything about you, your situation, or your intentions. Could you tell me a little bit about yourself? Well, what do you, you know, because I'm, I'm almost a little offended. What do you mean, my intentions? But yeah. that's what most people go to, I think. You know, what do yeah. you want? Are you wanting something? And, you know, and, and so I, I replied back that, you know, of course, that wasn't it. And that I had just done the DNA. And honestly, I was treading in new waters. I didn't know how to handle the situation. Yeah, a lot of people, they think, what do you want? Are you looking for money? Are you, you know, having hard times and now you need somebody else? Because you've been through the rest of the family. So after that message, did you get to talk to her on the phone? Well, I actually sent her another message. And then after about one or two messages... We did talk on the phone, and even though the messages went back and forth for maybe two days, then we did quickly end up on the phone. And even though she was extremely concerned about other people finding out about it, as as that seems to be prevalent, we did have communication. We actually had some sort of communication almost every day for a year and a half after that. So had she had any other children? Yes, she has a, a daughter and a son that are younger than me. Her husband that she's married to now, he knew about it, but none of the children did. So nobody in her life other than her husband, and of course her parents, but her parents are past, knew about me or the situation. And I think you had said her children also came up as matches through Ancestry. They, they did. <laughs> I, I told somebody recently we were talking about it. I think if I had it all to do over and I had the information I had now, I would have almost sent that generic message out to every one of my close family. And the reason being is I thought, one, is I was trying to respect her privacy. But we went through about a year of conversations around that where we didn't necessarily agree. She did tell them. I never told her she had to or asked her to, but she did tell them. Where we disagreed was I wanted to reach out to them myself and introduce myself, and she didn't want me to ever do that. Yeah, she kind of wanted to be in control of the whole thing, right? Yeah. So have you met her or your siblings in person? Yes, I have met her. We met about a year and a half later, 
primarily it took so long just due to COVID, but we did meet once in Yorktown, Virginia, oddly enough, very close to where I was born. She lives in Florida. She had traveled up there, and then we met and had dinner. Her husband, myself, that was all the people that were there. It was a very noisy bar. We had a nice conversation. It was less emotional than than I expected it to be. There wasn't a lot of hugging. There wasn't a lot of crying. There was really none of that. I think that we did lightly hug at the end of the meeting, but, you know, it wasn't super warm, I would say. Yeah. So how were you feeling before you met with her and how were you feeling after? I don't think it really changed a whole lot just because for a year and a half, we had a lot of interaction, mostly all in writing. She would prefer it all to be in writing. We've had maybe five phone conversations and then one personal meeting, but we've had a lot, a lot of communication via email. So was she able to tell you who your birth father was? She was. And so she did tell me that initially because the person that I had helping me, when I said I was going to remove the match, she had a meltdown. She was like, Kurt, don't do that. You'll never find out who your father is. Well, and they had been cross-referencing DNA. They both figured it out just about the exact same time as she messaged me and told me who he was. And what DNA experts and the searchers had realized was they had figured out who my grandparent, my paternal grandparents were, and they knew they had two sons, but they really wasn't sure which one was my biological father. When you finally did get a hold of him, did you find that he knew about you? Yes, he knew about me. According to him, he just had no real involvement. So once that he said that he wasn't going to marry her, he really doesn't know what happened. He didn't sign adoption papers. He didn't know what happened to me. He said he wondered about it. I originally had asked him because he had three children, three half-siblings, one one girl who passed right after she was born. So he had two children that were living at the time, and we talked about them. And he said, you know, let me talk to them tonight. And then the next day he called me and he said, apparently I told them about that when they were teenagers. So I, they knew about me. So what was it like contacting him and meeting him and his family? Were they open and welcoming to you? Absolutely. Super welcoming. It was still a little weird for all of us, but super welcoming. And and he's been really kind of awesome. He has reached out and, you know, wanted to be a part of, of the family that I had. And, and he's done that very respectfully. You know, he didn't go start reaching out to every one of them without us having a conversation. We had quite a few conversations. He asked me if I was open to that. And I told him absolutely I was. And so I've been really, really happy with his response. Yeah, you had mentioned that he had asked you if he could contact your adoptive mother. Was that right? Yeah, he did. Initially, I'm just like, oh, yeah, sure. And then I was like, oh, crap. I better call her and find out she's open to that. Because I was really apprehensive in the beginning to even tell her that I was doing it. And I just thought it would hurt her feelings. And so I had told her what was going on. And she was very open to it. I was very surprised at how she responded. But then she never brought it up again. But anyways, when I called her and said that he wanted to reach out to her, 
She said, no problem. And I found out that he had called her and he sent her a, a card with a letter in it. And what did the letter say? I tried to respect both of their privacy. They both acknowledged the letter, but neither one of them said what the content was. And then my mom passed, I told you, in December. And so I did get the letter. And of course, I did read it. And it basically said, thank you for being a good parent. Thank you for taking care of Kurt. I wasn't able to at the time and i'm super grateful for the job you did you know he just said some nice things about my character and and that sort of thing and it was just a very warm and friendly thank you to her that's really beautiful so are you still in touch with both your birth families did you get to meet your half siblings from your mother's family no i haven't so just kind of stay track with my father's side i did go and meet them My youngest daughter, who lives near them, she went with me. My half-brother was there, and so we all met. And then the next day, we went to his daughter, my half-sister's house, and we met her as well. So I did get to meet them, and unfortunately, my half-brother passed away last January. Kind of unexpectedly, he he ended up with a serious illness. So super glad that we did get to meet. We had made a really good connection and talked a lot, but on the maternal side, my mother really didn't want me to reach out to them. And then she kind of got upset with me for continuing to ask. And when I say continuing to ask and her saying that I was pushing it too hard, I'm very timeline sensitive. If you tell me, hey, in six weeks, you know, let's reach out to them or give me a little time. In six weeks, you can believe on six week day one, I'm going to be like, hey, it's six weeks. That's just how I am. And so I was on that timeline. So she's like, hey, you know, next month, let's talk about it. And so she did that for months and months. And then every time we would reach a deadline, I would ask. And she would say, well, you're pushing this too hard. You know, she just always had an excuse. And I wasn't really even sure had she ever told him. And so I expressed to her that I understand everybody's perspective is different. I understand if they want to have a relationship or not. But what I don't want is I don't want 10 years from now, any of them to say, you found out about this and you never tried to reach out to us. So that was my driving force. So I did, without her permission, reach out to both of them. My sister immediately answered back. I reached out to her on Facebook Messenger. I figured that was the most private way to reach her Mm -hmm. because I thought maybe somebody else could open a letter or email And I just thought that would be the most private way. And we've had numerous conversations and we do plan to meet at some point in time. It made her mother very upset with me. And we got into our first disagreement about it. And then the brother, I did reach out to him as well. only had an email. He doesn't do any social media. And I sent him an email. And I know that he received the email because his sister told me he got the email and that he was interested in meeting me but he didn't know what to say or do. And so I waited about a year and I sent him another email and I haven't never emailed him other than that. So I've never heard from him. That really puts you in a bad spot because it's like they're interested in meeting you. You obviously want to have a relationship with them, but everybody has to feel like they're doing something against your birth mother. Well, yeah. And so just oddly enough, Last week, her and I, like I said, we were having communication all the time. Since then, and and for the last six or eight months, 
we've gone more to just special occasions, birthdays. Hey, how are you? I told her a holiday casual pen pal relationship. So I had wrote her what I thought was kind of a nice email about a week or so ago, just saying, hey, I wish that we could talk more and get to know each other a little bit more. And it kind of devolved into a bit of a spat between us the last few days. And we've been back and forth and, and actually ended up in a couple emails that were unfriendly, like this morning she emailed me. And so we're, we're back on the mend. But like she, for whatever reason, she can only see that this affected her. Nobody else, you know, is heard. And of course, I should be grateful that I had parents and somebody took care of me. And, you know, that her children, they're not really my brothers and sisters somehow. That's, that's over. My perspective of our relationship is she's super open to her and I having a relationship as long as it doesn't expand beyond that or anybody that's already dead. If it's anybody that's dead, she's super open to talking about them, telling me about them. But if a person's alive, it's off limits. That's a shame because like you were saying with timelines, like you're big on timelines and I'm sure you realize like she's getting up there in years and you you are trying to have right. a relationship with her and with her children. And it's a shame that it just can't go any further than that. It is. And, you know, and, and generally I'm not this way. And, that, and that's exactly what I had told her, you know, because of my own mortality, that time is short. And, you know, I'd like to have relationship with people that want to have the relationship. If they don't, I understand that too. And I've never been a kind of, trust me, I left home at 12 or 13. I'm pretty independent. I've never been the one that has to have a buddy, friend, or whatever. If, if you know, you don't want to be my friend or buddy or whatever, okay, I'm cool. Peace out. But I found it really a lot more important on my side to even swallow my pride a bit and try to make it work. Because it's important. I don't want to end up like my brother right now where we can't have a relationship. He passed away. Yeah, well, hopefully she gets to the point where she realizes that it's about more than just her and her feelings. Yeah, I told her, and she's a very smart lady. Really, I don't know what happened to me. (laughs) Because all of my biological relatives are very, very highly educated, very well put together people. And so... I find it odd that she hasn't done, I point blank asked her yesterday in an email or day before that you never thought about this. You never thought about when you took your DNA test that I might show up. Yeah. You know, you know, I mean, really? Why did you make it public if you were so concerned about somebody finding out? Right. And so she told me this story. It's a little bit of BS and it's a little bit of what truly happened. I sympathize with her for some unknown reason. I'm not a very sympathetic person, but I sympathize with her more than I do most people. And especially when I read the book, The Girls Who Went Away, Yeah. I wish I would have read that before I reached out to her. Yeah. Because when she explained the story to me, that's what happened to her. She came home, her parents were very high in society, and they were like, oh no, we're not having this. And they sent her away to an unwed mother's home, where they pretty much told her every day, you're doing the best thing, you have to forget about this, you 
blah, blah, blah. And then they told her that she almost died and that I probably died during the birth. Which she says that, but then I got this paperwork from Virginia just because it was so robust when I was trying to find out. It was 97, I believe, pages in my adoption file. When they did send me the non-identified information, it looked like a government secret file. You could hardly read anything. But what I did make out of it was that she signed final adoption papers months after I was born. So she knew, somebody knew I was alive. And my final adoption didn't even happen until about three years after I was born, which I don't know why it took so long. But that's when the decree is actually finalized. So she had said that she wasn't sure that you had survived. Is that kind of what she was saying? She told me that that she almost died, and then they had had her with so much medical equipment and had to give her a shot of adrenaline, and then she wasn't sure that I had survived. And then when she asked to see me, they told her no. And then when I asked her about the DNA test the other day, she brought up again that it was such a traumatic experience, and then so much time went by with no information that she thought that I may have died. So did she tell you why she did the DNA test? She did a few years ago, but it didn't really make any sense. And there's a couple of things that don't make any sense. She used to work for the Libraries of Congress, and she's an author, and she's very well put together. But somebody back in the 70s had asked her to do a family tree or an ancestry type thing. And she became very interested in that. So she's done that her whole life. Really oddly enough, she's tried to prove she's Native American, and so am I. Very a small amount. Our fourth great-grandfather was a Native American. And so she's tried to prove that for years, and even her own family teases her about this Native American heritage. And so I think that my sister and brother and all of them were doing it because it was very in vogue in, like, 2018. Yeah. So they all did it, and they thought they would show up with this Native American heritage. And... They didn't. And so, but for why she left it and made it public, I have no idea because she's very private. So I don't think her kids would have been too off base if she would have said, oh, I don't want my information to be public. But she made it public, you know, and she searched this stuff her whole life. And then ironically enough, I do my DNA, what shows up? Native American. Hmm. (laughs) And so it's just how the cards are dealt, right? I mean, I tried to explain to somebody DNA and I'm preaching to the choir, but, you know, you have 52 cards. Each parent gives half. They're not the same half every time. Right. That's true. So she has Native American, you have Native American, but your half-siblings have none. Yeah. And no, it doesn't show up in her DNA oh. as part of her heritage, but it does show up in mine. And then it does show up in my sister's. Huh. Yeah, it's definitely interesting how things skip generations and where they show up. Assuming that the ancestry testing is all correct. That's what we're assuming from the very beginning. So we're putting a lot of faith in them. (laughs) Yeah, and so that is another thing. She wanted to get it off of ancestry because apparently she had a lot of friends and relatives that were on ancestry. So she did remove it so the other world can't see it on ancestry. And then her and I shared a match on 23andMe. Oh, so she was on another website. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Wow. So, yeah. So anyway, so that's that. And I mean, and we're trying to work through it. I really have never given so much grace to have a relationship with one person in my whole life. 
Yeah. Well, hopefully she realizes that and she appreciates that and she can kind of put things aside. Yeah. And I get it. I get that my father, he didn't have to carry me around. He didn't have to have whatever shame association there was with that. And so for him, it's a different experience than it was for her. Yeah. But it's 2023. I guess if she would ask me and, and she didn't, but if she did, you know, how would you have preferred for me to respond to this? I would have preferred for you to just come right out and post it on Facebook, which is unrealistic. But at least in today's world, I would have got it over with. I don't think it would have been a big deal. But, you know, I don't know how she feels. Yeah, I mean, I would think at this point, posting something like that on social media, people would be more than happy for you. Well, and so that kind of brings me back to this lady that I met from this search websites or whatever this lady up to me and she had a child that has the exact same birthday as me so she reached out to me like months after i had met my biological mother and she says hey you may be my biological child and unfortunately i had to tell her no that i wasn't but i did spend the next six months trying to encourage her and help her and so she eventually did find her biological the relationship they have is very very envious to me yeah depending on the experience that your birth mother had and even how she grew up if she grew up religious or anything like that it puts an imprint on the rest of your life you wonder how people are going to look at you it's all very unique how people respond it is. I actually I had wrote a poem, and I'm not a poem writer. If you could see me, you would laugh your head off. Uh, but I was looking at all this stuff, and there was a site, and a bunch of people had wrote poems about adoption. And so I wrote one, and then I just one morning I got up, and I was like, I'm going to write something about that. And so then I get onto their website when they're submit, and then I edited it. I thought I did really great, but I never saved what I sent to them, and their website hasn't posted anything since November of about four years ago for whatever reason. And so I reached out to them to see if I could get a copy of what I sent them. So all I really have is my rough draft that I originally made. I thought about sending it to her. I've never really shared it with anybody other than that website. Yeah. But for whatever reason, I started thinking about adoption, and I was like, you know, this is kind of how I feel about adoption. Yeah, I mean, maybe it would help her to understand better how you feel. Yeah. Because she knows how she feels, but she doesn't really know how you feel unless you tell her. Yeah. No, and I, I mean, I could share it with you. It's only two pages. Yeah, you can go ahead and read it if you're comfortable. Sure, I will. So the poem is labeled The Voice, and it says, The voice is kind. It sounds like mine. I hear the voice, but it never gives me a choice. The voice was so loud, but now it's silence, screams in the crowd. Where did it go? I'm not allowed to know. It was going to save me from the shame, but it left me wondering who to blame. Special days come and go, but the voice doesn't seem to know. Where did it go as I continue to grow? When I ask why, I'm told to hide your face and cry. Will the voice ever speak again? Will it be there in the end? On my final day, will the voice take me away? Hello, voice. Do you have something to say? That's it. That's really powerful. I think you should send it to her because then maybe she'll get a better feeling for what you've gone through and, and how you feel now, you know? Yeah. 
it's super sad. So my friends would laugh their head off at me if they said, you wrote that. <laughs> <laughs> well, men aren't allowed to have emotions, right? <laughs> right, we're not allowed. Uh, so anyways, it's all good. So how do you think your life changed now that you know your birth families? It didn't really seem like it was a big deal to you before, but how do you feel like your life has changed now? Well, one is it's a blessing and a curse. So a blessing that I've got to meet some cousins and other people and learn of experiences and know health history and all that. I'm super grateful for that. And I would do it a million times over. But also the pain of some of the angst or emotion between other people that are uncomfortable with it, less pleasant. But at the end, I would do it 100% again. Yeah, kind of like you didn't have the good before, but you also didn't have the bad. Right. It outweighs. So what would you tell other people who are thinking about maybe going out there and looking for their birth families? I would say definitely do it. Don't wait. You know, because each day isn't promised. And, you know, I've heard others say that just be prepared for surprises. It's not going to go the way you think it is, but something really good will come out of it and something disappointing will happen. And just be prepared for both, but do it. You owe it to yourself to do it. Yeah. So do you have anything else you want to add? No, I, I would just say to you, Thank you for doing this. Thank you for helping your dad. My daughter also helped encourage me to do it. And there was a lot of people that tried to encourage me along the way. And so to all of those people, thank you. And all the people that are involved with adoption, thank you. And hopefully one day we can come out of the cloud and at least have our own medical history and birth certificates. Well, thank you so much for letting me interview you. Okay. Have a nice day. If you or someone in your family has been touched by adoption and would like to speak about it, please email me at whathappensafterpodcast at gmail.com. Also, please check out the Instagram for the show to see pictures of my guests that they were so kind to share from the reunions. Next time, I'll talk with Laura, who was adopted through the Easter House Agency in Chicago, Illinois. Easter House was known to market children in specific ways that may or may not be true, in order to entice prospective adoptive parents. And this is exactly what happened to Laura. Listen next time to find out what happens after. Thanks for listening.